You've picked that perfect course topic. You've ensured that your topic has high demand in the marketplace. You've gone out there and you've created magnetic, compelling learning outcomes. You've selected and gathered your course content. You've even structured your modules, your course plan, and chosen your platform. Now, what are the next three steps that you need to take? Stay tuned and find out. Okay, here's the question. How are we dark horses? You know, the ones everyone is betting against, the ones they don't expect to win, place, or even show on the track, and they'll even laugh on us when we talk about trying. How do we show the world our greatness and triumph? Well, that's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. This is The Dark Horse Entrepreneur. My name is Tracy Brinkman. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, my Dark Horse friends and family. Welcome back to your weekly dose of how to create an online course learning. I'm your Dark Horse host, Tracy Brinkman, and I've been coaching in the course creation and online space since then. So I got a little bit of experience under my belt. And yes, here I am still learning. And I'm here to share with you what I have learned. And I am still learning about course creation, coaching, and infopreneurship. Who are you? Well, that, my friend, is infinitely more important. You are a driven entrepreneur, more specifically an infopreneur with or seeking a coaching and online course model and business. Or maybe you're just hoping to have that very, very soon. Either way, you're here because you're here and ready to start, restart, kickstart, just start leveling up with some great marketing, personal or business tips and results in order to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's why I'm here hitting, hitting you with another solo success episode coming to you straight from the Dark Horse HQ as we dive deep into the on, for, on the infopreneur and course creation success with actionable advice, tips, and steps designed to help you level up your game. Because as we already know, there are no shortcuts to success except for taking those little steps towards your goal every single day. So back in episode, what was it, 337... We, um, we started talking about the first five steps that you need to be taking, right? It was picking that, that perfect course topic. It doesn't have to be a perfect topic. It's a topic that you're passionate about, right? And then you want to go out there and make sure there, that your course idea has high market demand, right? You don't want to pick some topic out there like chewing leaves off a tree that maybe you can sell five uh, copies of. Uh, you want to make sure there's a demand out there for it. Then you want to turn around and you want to create some magnetic and compelling learning objectives that you're going to use in your marketing as well as in your content itself. You're going to select and gather your course content, right? You're going to know a lot about it already, which is why you picked the, co the topic. But what we're going to want to do is maybe enhance your knowledge, right? Gather any new recent updates that have happened that maybe you weren't, of, and maybe you already know everything, which is fine. Gather all that content in one space and then structure your modules and your course plan to lay out the learning path for your potential students or your actual students as they, they come along. And then you pick your platform. And I didn't go into platform a whole lot in 337 and we'll discuss that a little later. But we want to chat about today is what are the next three steps that you need to take in this adventure of course creation? And they are determining the most engaging and effective delivery methods for each lesson. 
right? Not every, not all your lessons are going to be delivered the same way. Sometimes maybe you need to uh, give lectures. Sometimes you need to show over-the-shoulder video. Other times you want to show it in action um, and then back them, back them how to get to that point. The next step after that is to make sure your content is engaging, right? You want to make sure that you hook and hold them in there so that you keep them engaged. You want them to finish the course. There's nothing worse than, you know, having sold the course and see people get 10% through and kind of dip out, right? And the last one, um, step number eight, is going to be filming, recording, and editing of your online course. So let's get stuck right in, shall we? All right, now, so step number six, as I was talking about, is um, creating the most engaging, oh, that's a damn return, the most engaging and effective delivery methods for each lesson. And as you get into this piece of things, you want to be aware of the different principles that come around learning, especially adult learning. And some you know, different folks have different learning preferences, and there are a multitude of different ways that you can deliver your training to make sure that your training is engaging as possible. Now, here's some questions. Questions I want to start you off with, right, is do you want to have videos? I'm thinking if you hear, you probably are going to have videos, but you could go audio only. Um, are you going to be reading the content? I would um, defer away from this unless you're very, very experienced at reading content. There's a lot of good folks that can do and they, they have trained themselves to read content without sounding like they are reading content. You get it? So you don't want to be that drone that's up there just reading. We've all been in that class, right? We've seen the person, they're reading their speech, they're reading their lecture, and you're already starting to check out, right? Um, I, I would highly encourage you to include activities, things that will get them uh, physically and mentally engaged, of course, as audio content. Are you going to have any visuals, right? Even if you do audio only, having some sort of PDF is very helpful. So as they're re as they're listening, they can follow along any visuals that will help drive in. Except remember, there's a, a few different ways people learn. Some people are very visual learners. So even though they're listening to you in audio and you're explaining it perfectly, they still need that visual. Really, there are those that are auditory. So just having them read alone doesn't always work. So having that audio with it uh, is a great reason to have video because it. it ticks off both of those audio and visual. Then there's those kinesthetic folks, right? Uh, those folks are going to need to feel or sincerity, feel your drama, to feel your energy, whatever it may be. And visuals can help with that. Uh, are you going to have a community in the learning? So you want to build a community of folks is one of the, the steps we'll chat about a bit more later so we won't go too deep into it, right? And how are you going to make the, the course fun? And engaging, right? How are you going to hype them up? Are you naturally humorous? You got this cool little wit about it. you can do that with their, uh, with their. That's good speaking, isn't it? Uh, you can use your wit to engage that, engage them that way. If you don't, you know, don't force it. Don't try to be, you know, the stupid guy to a joke like that. Unless that's your thing, right? That's your edge. You know, I, I can do the dad joke guy uh, because I'm the dad and I love dad jokes. So I can drop in things like that. And it's just a natural part of who I am. And then how are you going to help? And I've, I'm kind of reiterating this from my bullet points here. How are you going to help students with different learning styles? You know, there's folks that are auditory, folks that are kinesthetic, folks that want to learn at their own pace. There's folks that prefer live so they can raise their hand and ask the, the occasional question. I, I would, uh, Make sure that you use a balance of all of these, a balance of visual, balance of audio, use a balance of practice. Uh, you know, that way you're keeping uh, everyone engaged and providing the, the most 
positive and optimal learning experience possible. Now here, there's a few tips with that, right? I'm just going to tell you, hey, go do this. I'm going to drop it here on how you can do that. I think the first thing I want to do before I go is uh, take you back for a minute. And if I go back to my high school days, um, one of my favorite teachers uh, was uh, my U.S. Naval History. He was a former Navy. And as we went through different chapters of the book that we were learning from, he would, uh, you know, have us back then, right? Okay, you read the first three paragraphs and you read the next three paragraphs and, and so forth and so on. And yeah, that helped keep the different folks in the room engaged. But what really hooked me wasn't the listening to the folks read the paragraphs or even reading the paragraphs out loud myself. It's when he stopped and told a story that may have further drove home the point that whatever section we were reading was because he had been in the Navy for, I believe if I'm not correct, not to make a mistake here, 15 some odd years. So he had plenty of stories to pull from. And uh, I can't remember what role he was. It's been so long ago. And it's, I, I got out of high school in, in 19 more <laughs> in, the, in the 80s. So I just dated myself there. So clearly he had plenty of stories to pull from. And I always remember being excited to get to that class, not to learn more about U.S. Naval history, but to learn more from sure. And that's the number one way that you can really engage folks is to be more storytelling in your teaching. So I just drove home the point of being more storytelling by telling you a story. The next couple of ways here are, are completely off the story topic. Um, you want to create a learning community. And you see a lot of people doing this, right? You've all seen the uh, the folks on their Facebook. Hey, come on to my Facebook group. Or if you buy some product, they're saying, hey, come on. When you One of the assets, one of the bonuses they give you is like, hey, if you, if you buy this product, you'll be part of the 500 other people that have bought this product and are all learning together. So that is that camaraderie, that learning community. All of these people not only have bought the product that, that uh, you know they're pitching this community for, but they're probably somewhere in the same place you are in the journey that you're carrying. Your students will be the same way. No matter what it is, you're, they will be in the same place or very similar places, maybe a few steps ahead, a few steps behind. But if you can bring them all together right? And we've talked about this before. Now you've got a community of folks that you can question, find out how you can best serve them. And one of the ways you can best serve them is by mixing up your lessons. You want some of those lessons to be live, right? You want to hop on a Zoom call. You want to hop on a go-to webinar, hop on a Facebook Live, restream, StreamYard, whatever tool that you use to go live and give some of those lessons. And maybe some of those are ad hoc lessons that add additional value to the self-paced lessons, which will be the pre-recorded one. So you want to use both, right? Synchronous and asynchronous. Synchronous being the real-time live lessons and asynchronous being those self-paced learning lessons. You can say, hey, all right, we're going to launch this on August 1st. On August 3rd, I'm going to get together with you uh, live and reinforce you know, lessons one, two, and three, or maybe it's just lesson one and two, um, or just have a Q&A. This will do a couple of great things. One, it's going to engage your audience. Uh, it's going to get them to go through those lessons. And then it's give you the opportunity to hear what questions are coming out of that, which could give you a great clue to what it is you're missing in that lesson or what additional content they are hungry for, even though it's really not technically, quote unquote, missing. He says, well, he does it with his finger. And I think the last thing you could do to help 
um, design an engaging course is gamify, right? If you can do some sort of award system that help motivate your students, it, it happens so much on our phones. Hey, look, now you've liked so many pieces of content on my page, you can now get the, you know, superstar tag on your profile as you're going through someone's page. You see that on Facebook. So there's a lot of opportunities to gamify, or you can take it along and say, hey, what we're going to do, we're going to put these little quizzes at the end of each course, uh, end of each sex of our course. And those that hit in the, you know, top 80% uh, are certainly going to get something extra bonus, right? Showing them, gutting it. Um, th there's pros and cons to this. So, you know, weigh your pros and cons for who your audience is. I think as you roll into, it's almost a smooth transition, as we roll into uh, step number seven, on this, which is make sure your content is engaging. So how your lessons presented need to be just chatting about in step six there, but now your content has to be. And I think there's probably four um, major steps around that. One is focus on what's important, right? There's probably so many little tidbits in whatever lesson that you want to share with someone that you could really go way tangent. I could do it here and I have done it in some episodes, right? Um, but you want to focus on what's really important, teaching more than just, you don't want to go into the human history of how to fish uh, just because it's easy to do that. You want to share what's important about it and, and, and drill in there. Um, and then I think you want to find a way to provide early results. Man, that's really gonna keep people engaged. Um, that's gonna make your content um, and set measurable goals, right? I'm gonna outline these first and we'll go a bit more. Um, and then, of course, you want it to do everything tension. So let's go back to the delivering of knowledge, right? Focus on what's important. And if you think about it, right? How many times have you stumbled across something and you don't even know what it means? What do you do? You Google or you YouTube or you TikTok it. Yeah. I, I saw a study just yesterday, maybe it was the day before yesterday. Anyway, I saw a study in the past 48 hours where TikTok has become the number one search engine over Google. Google's second, but TikTok, people are starting to go to TikTok and search for things as they're trying to gain knowledge. So your goal as the teacher isn't to try and gather all the knowledge on the planet. The internet's already done that for us and distill all that raw knowledge. No, no. Your goal, right, is to, let me have one, is to know what the good stuff from the bad stuff is in the journey you're trying to take them. You've already sorted all through all junk and the wheat and the chaff, and you've got it narrowed down to what works and what doesn't, right? And your complete understanding of whatever topic is you're teaching them, whatever journey you're taking them is going to be the proof in the pudding of you as an effective teacher, right? You're going to say, all right, here's the, here's the thing, whatever the thing is. And here are the steps being bang, boom. I know there's all kinds of this out there. Here's what I found that works. Here's what I've tried that doesn't work. Now, again, that gives you more uh, amazing opportunities for stories. You can share some of those, man, don't do this. I did it. Here's what happened kind of stories. Uh, that way you're doing two things. One, you're keeping them engaged and you're sharing with them that you've really done it. You're not just some poser out there. Um, and here's probably what's going to happen if, if they tried it. Okay. Now, uh, back to the providing early results. I think the big thing about online courses is, well, it's easy to sign up for them. 
which means it's just as easy to drop out of them. I think I saw a study not too long ago. It saw that the average completion rate for online courses is about 4%. And I know what I've seen, it's I've been seeing a little higher than that, uh, you know, between 6 and 10. But that's still super, super low, right? And one of the greatest ways I think that you can raise your retention rates and keep them engaged is by providing them some sort of early return on their investment, right? Give them an E-R-O-I, not just an R-O-I. Hey, by the time you're all done with this, you'll be able to do this. No, no, by the time you're done with lesson number one, I'm going to make sure you can do this. That way they feel they've already learned something from the first module alone and they're more likely to stick around. This is, is great in marketing. It's also great in using in your online learning courses. If they can get through that first lesson easily, right? Maybe even with a little bit of, and come out of it going, man, I've already learned something. And they're going to they're gonna get that dopamine hit. They're going to feel good about themselves. They're going to feel good about you. You're going to enhance that know, like, and trust factor. And they're going to step right back in and keep on going. You do not want them to come out of their feeling stupid unproductive or going, man, I shouldn't have spent whatever I spent on just stupid, right? And give them some feedback, right? And this is another good reason to have those communities. If they come in and say, you go in at the end of the course and say, hey, stop into the Facebook group or whatever online community you've created for them and tell us what you found most educational, informational, opportunistic about lesson one, and then you get in there and reply, hey, great job, good things. You're you're crushing it, right? You're giving them that ongoing sense of accomplishment and they'll stick around. Everyone wants to feel important, don't they? And I think that one rolls right into the next one is setting those measurable goals, right? So as you're going into it, um, if they're able to measure their progress and and everything is measurable in some point, even if it's just, I got through uh, course A, um, module B, and as a result of getting through those, I'm now able to understand or do X, whatever X. Remember, we talked about this in in the previous episode, it was episode 337. You want to structure this body of knowledge that you're taking them through, right, into learnable pieces, which means your students are able to look back and actually see their progress. They're either gaining in knowledge, they're gaining in skills, they're gaining in uh, revenue, they're gaining in momentum, they're gaining in follows and likes and feedback, whatever it is. And also, you know, I just mentioned this a few minutes ago, you could have um, quizzes or, or tests as a, a tool at the end of each module to test their knowledge to ensure that they're learning and improving. So this is, again, this is a pro and con. If you're going to test them, they may not learn, which could be one of two things. One, you didn't teach them well enough. Or two, you didn't engage their mode of learning. I won't say your students are dumb because all students are different, right? They all learn differently. They learn at different paces. Sometimes they need a little extra hand. Plus, each lesson should really only teach one skill or one particular aspect or angle of the topic. And at the end of each lesson, the student should have learned something useful to walk away with. Oh, I never thought about it. Or they're like reaffirming something they already did know. Yeah, I already knew that. So this is good. I'm, 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 I'm doing well on my journey because module A taught me something I already knew, which is reaffirming that. And you can use that in your lesson plans as well. Now, last but not least, we have, we want to increase our intention rates. I've chatted a bit about this already, but it, it never hurts to re-emphasize this, right? 
And I think one of the biggest things you're going to want to have to remember here is not every person that signs up for your course signed up with the intention of finishing the entire course. Let me say that again. Not every person that signed up for your course signed up with the intention of finishing the entire course. Now, what I mean by that, they, there was something, some value they wanted to get out of your course. Um, when they read the marketing materials that you shared with them, or whatever other information that brought them to click that buy button, it doesn't mean they had to get through the entire course to get that piece of knowledge from you. They may have found that knowledge in module one or two or three. And once they found that piece of knowledge that they were hungry for, that they needed to move forward in their journey, they could just quickly step away. Okay, I got that piece. I got that mystery piece of how to create a great piece of email content to send out to my email list. I don't need anything else. Nothing else in this course relates to me. That could be what is going on in the mind of your students. So remember that as you're going in. And if you find students are, that are stopping at a, a given point, at a pretty heavy percentage rate, maybe it's worthy for you to reach out to them and, and ask them, well, how come? And you may get that answer and you may get a myriad of other answers. This is also another great opportunity for you to leverage that community that you've built to reach in there and say, hey, I've noticed recently that most of you are getting through module three, step 10, and then that's it. And then a high percentage of you dip off. You might find that's what they came in the door for. That's that one piece of bonus content you advertise. They're like, I got it. I got what I needed, um, which gives you opportunities to enhance your course, modify your course, change your market, uh, and maybe target folks that are in need of the rest of the content that you cover in the rest of your modules. All right, so now we come to the next step. Filming, recording, and editing of your course. <laughs> this is the production phase. This is the fun one, right? You've got your course plan. you got your content all together. You know exactly how you're going to deliver each element of your course. It's gamification, community, live, asynchronous, synchronous, all that. Now it's time for the fun part. You actually get to click that record button. And of course, you're going to deliver your training in an entirely engaging ways so that you keep your audience engaged, right? <laughs> I was going to say, uh, and you're going to use methods and to keep them engaged and deliver those learning uh, outcomes that you set forth earlier. Now, I think personally, this is just me. One of the most effective ways to do that is video, which seems kind of um, counterintuitive seeing how I'm telling you this on a podcast. Um, I do deliver a lot of my podcasts onto you. Sometimes I even film them and, and deliver them in videos. Um, but you don't want to be just the talking head, right? Um, you could use green screens. You, if you're going to do just the whole reading of the script thing, eh, you want to be very careful unless you're really trained to do that. If, however, you are going to use the video with the green screen, you want to have different and relatable images going on behind you. And preferably moving images, not just a still images, or if they are still images, which makes sense, you know, you're sharing an infographic, you're going to step through, maybe you, you reveal a piece at a time. It is this uh, moving in sensations that keep things a little bit more engaging. You don't want to, and I, I've been, uh, I was at brief story moment here about a month and a half ago, our participant Pod, Pod, Podapalooza, and one of the things 
event organizers podcast has said is if you're going to be a presenter, you cannot have a PowerPoint, period. They wanted you to be able to speak to your content and engage the audience using your voice and your manner. Now, there were a couple of exceptions where folks had to have um, PowerPoints for specific images. You know, they're trying to walk uh, folks through things. And the ones I saw doing that did it well where they would, you know, point A, boom, they would share it. And point B, and he would talk about it. And the, the things moved in and they talked about but the person that was giving the content wasn't relying on the powerpoint in order to give the content right you people man people are really perceptive they're going to zero in on you really fast if they realize you're relying on your powerpoints to share with them your lessons and all this stuff so well you can't about it free form just think about when you're out with your buddies or your friends or you're engaged and maybe you're at some sort of event and somebody asks about a more specific question about what it is you do or what to teach, how you share with it at that point, right? You're not going into a PowerPoint. You're just sharing the content off the top of your head with sincerity. That's how you want to record your video. Now, you do have a couple of different options, right? You could do a screen recording. Maybe you're doing an over-shoulder over over the shoulder type of video where you're showing uh, folks how to do something, right? Uh, you could do cam videos. Again, that could be also be over the shoulder, but certainly a bit more on you. If you're doing something like a how-to, uh, and I know he's, I use the how to do something with cars, you can certainly have videos set up to record you doing it to make sure a couple of different angles is very beneficial. And that can be done with one camera and multiple takes or multiple cameras and then cut together. Um, or you could record it being done, right? Uh, you could be the one holding the camera or you have someone else do that. And then go back and record a voiceover, which is literally you narrating through the presentation, through the process. Um, again, this is you know a couple of steps, but certainly very easily done by yourself. I mean, you can easily edit videos in different pieces of software. I know I personally use Camtasia. My buddy Ray, the video guy, um, gave a link to a free piece of video editing software. Um, let me, oh my gosh, and that was way back in episode 27. So go back and check out that uh, if you want more information on what you do and do not need in your video and video marketing. Ray has been doing this since the beginning of time <laughs> in, in my eyes. He was into video before video made it to uh, computers. But uh, in there is a link to a free piece of video editing software and no emails, no signups. You just download it, save it myself. So go check that out. That's episode 27. If I remember, I'll make sure we get the link down in the show notes. All right, so there you have it. There's your next three steps. Determine the most engaging and effective delivery method for each lesson. Some will be different. Um, don't you? Sometimes they'll all be the same, and that's fine. Seven, you want to make sure each of those pieces of content are engaging in and of themselves, right? And then number eight is your filming, recording, and editing of your online course. Uh, got any questions about that? Let me know. I'm happy to answer any of those questions. In the next episode, we're going to drill down into the next three steps. This is going to be setting up your online school, pricing your course, and then launching an ongoing marketing. And by the way, of course, if you're looking for any help with your course or your podcast in starting one or launching one, or maybe you already have one, you're looking help with the editing or promotion of it, or you're looking how to monetize your course or podcast, please go ahead and reach out to me at tracy.darkhorseschooling.com. Or you can go to the website, darkhorseschooling.com backslash coaching. You'll see a little form in there. Drop in your email and any questions you might have. And let's chat, right? No free, no charge. Happy to share my knowledge. Now, 
I want to make sure you come away with a success plan from that chat. And if I can help with that success plan and get paid for it, that's even better. But if not, that's okay too. I'm here to help you. Again, that's darkhorseschooling.com backslash coaching. Let's see how I can be of service to you in helping you start, restart, or kickstart your online course or podcast. Now, I know you want to keep getting all these daily episodes. Well, they're not daily anymore, right? This used to be daily. These ongoing episodes, make sure you go on down there, hit that subscribe button while you're there. Why not? Go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. Drop us some kind words in the review. Heck, ask your questions right there. I read every single one of those. And here's the more important piece about that. It is those subscribes, ratings, and reviews that tell those podcast platforms out there that you are getting some value from this show. And they return that value by giving us a little bump up so that we can reach more driven entrepreneurs and infopreneurs just like you. So please take a moment, show the love, help spread the word. All right, you get out there. You run your race. You get your results and come let me hear about them. Until next time, think successfully and take action. Entrepreneur Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. All right. My name is Tracy Brinkman.